the Minister for the Economy. I, I call Cahill Boylan. Hear him, sir. Cahill Boylan, for your cash. Come on, good asking, Colin. Cash to Everhain. Let a hold. Question number one, please. And I call the Minister for the Economy. Thank you, Mr. Deputy Speaker, and I thank the member for his question. Uh, ensuring workers have jobs to go back to is my foremost priority as we look to recover from the damage inflicted on our economy by this pandemic. The Economic Recovery Action Plan my Department is delivering will help protect jobs. We must not lose sight of this as being the most fundamental of all employment rights. However, I am pleased to reflect on some of the other work my Department has taken forward to protect workers' rights. Legislation was introduced to ensure that redundancy and other payments for employees were based on normal pay rather than furloughed pay. Last week, this House approved legislation extending vital health and safety protections to all workers that previously only applied to employees. Also, the bill to introduce parental bereavement leave and pay in Northern Ireland recently passed its second stage. Members will agree that this will be an important new employment right for parents who sadly suffer the loss of a child. I am aware of other commitments made in New Decade New Approach in respect of further employment rights. Faced with the need to respond to the COVID crisis, it has simply not been possible to progress all of these in that time. However, Northern Ireland already has a robust framework of employment rights in place, and we will keep that under review in the months ahead. Could I thank the Minister for, for his uh, answer and also just to get a commitment from the Minister that he will undertake to commit uh, what is within the new NACADU approach in terms of uh, the protection of those rights? But will he undertake to meet with the four education staff who are on strike in the minute over pay and conditions? Will he commit to meet them and secure some kind of a deal for those people at this time? I thank the, the member for his question. and I have been advised in my short term here in this department that there is a process to follow with regards to disputes like this and who actually is the governing body with regards to the pay. Uh, so I will commit uh, the member, to the member that I will study that process and see where the department and myself can be helpful. I do believe that there may well be a place for, for the department and myself in that process, and I wouldn't want to do anything that would jeopardise the process so that there will be a successful outcome for all involved in that dispute. Thank you, Minister, for your answer so far. And can I ask the, for the Minister to give his commitment that he will ensure that Invest NI um, will ensure that workers' rights are protected when they are out uh, across the world attracting investors here. It's really important that workers' incomes is supported uh, and Invest NI don't um, promote uh, Northern Ireland as a low-paid economy? I thank the member uh, for her uh, question. And it is very important. I recognise that the pandemic has had a significant impact on businesses and workers. Uh, my department's priority in respect of employment law has been to protect those immediately affected by the pandemic. To date, my department has legislated to protect workers' rights in respect of ensuring that statutory family-related payments and various statutory entitlements connected with redundancy or the termination of employment are based on normal pay rather than furrowed pay. Uh, legislation has also been introduced to allow workers who are unable to take holiday leave as a result of the COVID-19 outbreak to carry over up to four weeks of their annual leave into the next two leave years. 
I was also pleased that members debated and approved legislation to extend an important protection to workers so that they have, not, that they have a right not to suffer detriment in the workplace in relation to my action. They make, uh, they make uh, take to protect themselves or others where they reasonably believe there is serious or imminent danger. Uh, members will also be aware of the good progress being made on the parental bereavement leave and uh, pay bill. These actions collectively highlight the importance my department places on protecting workers' rights. As we look to the longer term, I wish to ensure all our employment legislation continues to take account of the needs of workers while balancing the needs of businesses at this difficult time and beyond. Investa and I have a very important job to do, promoting Northern Ireland throughout the world, and it's a competitive price and cost uh, that I want them to focus on. Uh, low, low paid isn't the word I would use. I would talk about competitive uh, pay and ensuring that people have good, decent jobs to return to after this pandemic is vitally important to me and my department. I call Rachel Wood. Thank you, Mr. Deputy Speaker, um, and to thank the Minister for answers so far. Um, the Minister will definitely be aware of the impact of domestic abuse and that it is a societal issue, but also an economic and a workplace issue. Um, so, can I ask the Minister if he would support the introduction of 10 days safely for victims of domestic abuse? Mr. Uh, Deputy Speaker, yes, I know that the member has a question uh, in, in the, the schedule, and she's getting in, f in first in case I don't get that far. So that's good skills uh, for the member, and I commend the member. The member will know how important is this to me, having uh, been working with the member on the Justice Committee. And it's something that I will commit the member to look at in the days and weeks ahead. It is very important to me that workers are protected and victims of domestic violence are protected going forward, and that their employers treat them with respect and dignity and allow them the freedom that they should uh, have when they suffer uh, domestic violence. It's a horrendous crime, uh, and it needs resolved. I, I can see throughout society that people can help. Employee, employers do help at times of stress for uh, victims of domestic violence. I would like to see that continue and enhanced so that we can move on as a societal a society because this is a societal ill that needs to be tackled and needs to needs to be people need to be made aware of it, not least in the workplace. Call Mr George Robinson for a question. Thank you Mr Deputy Speaker and I thank the uh, my colleague for his question, a very important question. There is a wide range of support financial and advisory available from InvestNI and other organisations for people considering starting up a business. The Northern Ireland Business Start-up Programme is part funded by the 11 councils, InvestNI and the European Regional Development Fund under the Investment for Growth and Jobs Northern Ireland 2014-2020 programme and promoted under the Go For It brand. The programme is delivered by Northern Ireland's 11 councils and available to all potential new start-up businesses. The programme provides one-to-one -one support from an experienced business advisor with help to develop a practical business plan and referral to follow-on support options. InvestNI has provided $16.4 million through the Local Economic Development measure to local businesses over the past three years to deliver the scheme. Uh, councils have provided an additional $3.6 million, reaching a total investment of around $20 million. To date, over 12,000 business plans have been completed to support people 
planning to start their own businesses. That must be welcomed, Mr Deputy Speaker. InvestNI has also provided, also provides a comprehensive range of information on new business start-ups hosted on their website. George Robinson for a supplementary. Thank the Minister for his answer. Minister, as we come out of the pandemic, it is creating both distress and opportunity for business, and I am eager to see support given to businesses that need to survive. I would also ask if the Minister would visit Lima Valley to visit an innovative scheme at the North West Regional College to help establish small businesses. Yes, I thank the, the, the colleague for his supplementary question. Uh, I have no problems uh, going out and visit him in Limavari to see the work of the college and other businesses. It's a nice part of the world. I've been there many times. I've spent a lot of time in McGilligan Point and up in Benevena. And I'm sure the, minister, the, the member won't take me up in Evena, but I would be interested to see some of the businesses and the innovation work that businesses and the colleges are doing at this time. I, I should add also that there are other uh, support mechanisms available. Uh, Propel Pre-Accelerator Programme, funded by InvestNI and delivered by Ignite, a UK-based start-up support and investment network. The programme offers workshops, tutorials, networking, opportunities, mentoring, financial support and access to uh, investment. Uh, InvestNI themselves also work with a range of other stakeholders in the start-up ecosystem, including councils, universities, further education, colleges, incubators, enterprise agencies, Tech Start, Catalyst and special interest groups such as Women in Business in providing support to business start-ups. But the, the member coming from where he does, I, I do note that there are issues in his area, an area that's dear to my heart, and we can see that in Causeway Coast and Glens in 2019 there was 390 start-up businesses. Um, that could be improved. Uh, there, in 2017 it was, uh, that figure was 530. So there is much work to do, uh, and I can assure the member that I'll try my best to enhance the area in all of Northern Ireland, because when all of Northern Ireland works best, we all work best. Here, Mayor John O'Dowd, for your case, I call John O'Dowd for you thank the Minister for his answers thus far. Minister, the head of InvestNI has said that as a result of the protocol, there has been significant interest in inward investment. There are businesses in my own constituency who are creating jobs and sustaining jobs as a result of the protocol. Of course, there are businesses who face challenges, but there are many, many businesses who are looking for opportunities to create jobs and prosperity, but they are concerned that the Minister's political stance will stop his department offering them the much-needed support they require to create jobs and prosperity. I thank the member for his question. My department is all about support. InvestNI is all about supporting businesses, and they will continue to do so, and they will have my full support in doing so. Uh, but what I have saw in visiting businesses, even in the, over the last two weeks, is that whilst in some cases there may be advantages, slight advantages with some uh, businesses, you can also see that they, when they try to buy in stock from GB, that that is hampering them. So even if they can get any sort of advantage through a twin-track approach or into different markets, the fact that they have to buy stuff in from GB is penalising them greatly. The fact that the paperwork has spiralled out, out of all control and the fact that they have to employ people just to keep on top of that is quite uh, damaging to their business cases. And that's what I have experienced when I've been out and about visiting businesses over the last two weeks. Let's be very clear. The protocol is damaging. The protocol is brutal. 
and the protocol is being used as punishment and also as leverage uh, for future negotiations with the UK government. And Northern Ireland is in the middle of that. And there are some people here who are complicit in that. And that has really frustrated businesses that I've spoken to over the last number of weeks. Thank you, Minister. Minister, whenever you were on the Finance Committee with myself, I know that you told me you started out as a trade, you know, in a trade. I myself did over 50 years ago. What I'm really asking you here, Minister, is the assessment of the quality of entrepreneurial training that's available here for people that start out on their own business, knowing that these people are the risk takers and the potential employers of the future. Small acorns grow into big trees, Minister. Yes, and I, I thank the member for his question. He's a man after my own heart. Uh, and, and yes, I enjoyed my time on the Finance Committee with, with the member. Uh, and I miss, I'll miss that aspect of my work, but he's, he's quite right. And there are support there for start-up businesses, even in this very challenging time. I think, first of all, it's important to state that restrictions hurt new starts. Uh, it, it damages confidence in people taking that step to open up a new business, uh, not knowing if there's a market there for them, not knowing if they're going to be held uh, or, or placed under restrictions by government, uh, and not knowing if they have a footfall to, to spend or to trade in. So that's very important that there is confidence uh, injected into all sectors of, of our economy. And I'll work towards opening up the economy in its completeness over the next couple of weeks, Mr Deputy Speaker. Uh, Invest NI Startup Financial Support is focused on businesses that intend to sell outside of Northern Ireland. Such businesses can also access support for product development, skills development, market development, strategy development, consultancy as well as support for job creation. High potential start-ups may also apply to five equity and debt funds as part of InvestNI's access to finance portfolio. They consist of the Northern Ireland Small Business Loan Fund, 8 million, Growth Loan Fund, 30 million, Growth Finance Fund, 30 million, and Tech Start NI, 30 million. And there's also a co-fund NI, 270 million, Mr Deputy Speaker. Those are support uh, branches and support schemes that will uh, help uh, start up businesses in the weeks ahead. Call Stuart Dixon for a question. Minister, Minister do you, do you recognise the damage that Brexit is doing in relation to labour shortages coming into the United Kingdom, but particularly into Northern Ireland, because entry to the United Kingdom now carries a pay tariff connected to it, but pay traditionally in Northern Ireland for a variety of reasons, good and bad, is quite often lower than the rest of the United Kingdom. That is a further barrier to people coming in and supporting the labour market in important jobs, in caring and catering, and a wide range of other uh, jobs that, that can and should be done here in Northern Ireland, and for which we do not have an indigenous workforce. I thank the member for her question. And there are many aspects and factors that affect flow of people and, and workers throughout the world. Uh, one of them is exchange rates. Uh, and, you know, in my experience over the last number of weeks, where there are skill shortages and people trying to find uh, workers and staff, uh, Brexit is not necessarily the main issue. The main issue is skill shortages and people being on furlough or then going and get different jobs. Uh, and if there are people who have left the shores, it seems to be the case that it was to do with exchange rates more than Brexit itself. I call Ms Kelly Armstrong. Number three. Mr Deputy Speaker, and I thank the uh, 
member for her question. I understand the difficulties that travel agents continue to face in light of the ongoing tra travel restrictions. However, support for this sector is being taken forward by the Executive Office. In March 2021, TEO introduced a travel agent's coronavirus financial assistance scheme, which provided a grant payment of 10,000 to travel agent businesses operating from commercial premises, or £3,500 payment to self-employed travel agents working from home, as well as availing of the Executive Office Travel Agents Coronavirus Financial Scheme Assistance Scheme. I am aware that some travel agents, suspect, subject to the uh, respective uh, criteria, have been able to avail of business support grants uh, introduced by my department, such as the £10,000 Small Business Support Scheme, the £25,000 Retail Hospitality, Tourism and Leisure Scheme, the Microbusiness Hardship Fund, and more recently the COVID Restrictions Business Support Scheme Part B. Despite the unprecedented level of financial support that has and is being offered, the Department appreciates that there are some businesses and individuals who continue to be severely negatively impacted, travel agents being one of them. However, it will be for the Executive collectively to determine how any COVID-related funding is allocated as we progress through the roadmap and the lifting of restrictions, which in my eyes is the most important thing. In regards to travel agents, it is making sure that we can have some sort of confidence injected into that market. Kelly Armstrong for a supplementary. I would like to thank um, the Minister for his question. And just carrying on from his answer, um, does the Minister agree that travel agents are key high street businesses and are vital in supporting, in particular, our air routes and airports? And therefore, if there is further money coming forward, will you be seeking to bring forward a further support package forward through your department as opposed to the Executive Office to target, in particular, those um, travel agents because they are so important to our air industry? Yeah, I thank the member uh, for her supplementary question. Since March 2020, the Northern Ireland Executive and the UK Government has introduced an unprecedented number of interventions and packages of financial support to help those who have been affected by the consequences of COVID-19. My department has led in the delivery of business-related support, providing over £513 million of much-needed funds to support local businesses from all sectors and occupations throughout Northern Ireland, with the primary aim of helping those businesses to survive the pandemic and protect as many local jobs as possible. Despite the unprecedented level of support uh, there has been, that has been offered, there are some businesses and individuals continuing to be negatively impacted, and the Department and indeed Northern Ireland Executive continue to receive calls for further support packages to be put in place. The Department's focus is on the full and un uninterrupted reopening of the Northern Ireland economy in line with the Executive's roadmap and the associated health regulations. It will be vitally important to instil confidence into our uh, travel industry in the weeks ahead. Uh, I am not sure that the traffic light scheme actually does that. I think decisions being made uh, like a guillotine will sap confidence, and that is not something or a place we want to be. But can I just add to that answer by, t by informing the House that the NIDAC scheme is now launched? Our domestic and international air connectivity is critical for both the local tourism sector and the wider economy, especially as we emerge from the COVID-19 crisis. The Department's Northern Ireland Domestic Aviation Kickstart Scheme is a support scheme for airlines being developed by the Department, which is aimed at maintaining and enhancing Northern Ireland's air connectivity with the rest of the United Kingdom 
following the COVID pandemic. I call Keith Archibald for a question. I'm and I thank the Minister for his responses so far. And following on from the previous question, um, for some businesses, direct financial assistance is going to be important to allow them to, to continue to, to be there to recover. So, as part of the recovery plan, is the Minister looking at support for those sectors, like the travel and tourism sector, that have been most badly hit? first to close, probably last to, to open. This morning I, I met with um, the English language schools, with the finance minister, and I would really encourage the, the economy minister to, to also to meet with that sector. They are one of those who have been badly hit by the pandemic and haven't had a great deal of assistance. Yeah, and the member raises a very important question going forward. It is widely accepted that the coronavirus uh, job retention scheme and the self-employment income support scheme, which are both currently scheduled to end in September this year, have been instrumental in avoiding mass unemployment. It is clear that both the furlough and the self-employed schemes are essential and must remain in place as we move into a sustainable economic recovery. I will be seeking to engage with the UK Government on how these schemes can be maintained to protect those industries still impacted by restrictions, and then I hope that that will enhance and, implement and, and go alongside any work that we can do with regards to our recovery plan here in the Department going forward to support businesses and to support jobs, which I think you know, we could well be in for a critical couple of months uh, coming into the winter months. And it's important that all restrictions that can be lifted are lifted to ensure that markets can uh, activate and work as they should without any government interference. I think that's vitally important going forward, and I'll certainly be pushing for uh, support in that regard to our industries going forward, that they will be allowed to get on with their business safely and productively, and will hopefully get the economy back up and running quicker, sooner rather than later. Call Peter Weir. Thank you, um, thank you Mr Deputy Speaker. As members have indicated, obviously it has been a, uh, a critically difficult time for industries across the board in terms of uh, the response to COVID, but particularly so for the travel industry. Uh, I welcome, obviously, the Minister's announcement on Thursday that he was launching the NIDAX scheme, and I note that there has been a very warm welcome to that uh, by uh, the three, our three airports. I wonder if the Minister could give, some more, give the House some more detail of, of that scheme and how this will be helpful uh, to both the travel industry and, indeed, airports in particular as we move ahead. For his question, it is very critical that we get this good news story out there, to be fair. NIDAX aims, uh, aims is to support inbound tourism and business travel between Northern Ireland and Great Britain and to encourage inward investment into the local economy. These are essential for Northern Ireland's recovery. We have engaged with our three local airports and the airlines in its development and the Department will be launching NIDAX to deliver on our commitments to support Northern Ireland's domestic air connectivity with GB as soon as the required approvals are secured. And of course, that has been launched and the airports, having spoken to them, are very thankful for that. The airlines that are involved are very thankful for that. It's £4.5 million of support through ministerial direction, and it's vitally important that we maintain those links to GB, not only for tourism, but for commuter travel, especially when it comes to visiting family and friends throughout this country. And it's very important that that scheme was ruled out as soon as possible. It started in June, at the beginning of June, 
and that's why, import, that's why we had to instill confidence as soon as we could, and that's the reason why we had to go down the ministerial direction route. I call Mr Doug Beattie for a question. Question number four, please. I thank the uh, member for his question. With the relaxation of many COVID restrictions, the tourism sector is beginning its positive recovery from the challenging period of lockdown. We need further restrictions lifted as soon as possible, and we look forward to the 5th of July. Phase two of the Tourism Recovery Action Plan was uh, launched last month. It has been developed in collaboration with Tourism NI, Tourism Ireland and regional and local government stakeholders, representative bodies and the tourism industry itself. It contains a comprehensive package of measures to support the regrowth of the tourism sector. These include measures designed to stimulate consumer demand, enhance the capability of businesses and the skills of the workforce and create a supportive policy environment. For example, marketing activity is already underway to encourage people to holiday here by reminding them of the great visitor attractions, accommodation and hospitality that sits on our doorstep. This will be complemented later in the year by a £2 million holiday at home voucher scheme. This activity is specifically aimed at supporting local businesses and ultimately saving jobs. The tourism industry has been incredibly resilient and bookings so far look very positive. Partnering with key stakeholders, I am determined to deliver on this phase of the action plan to ensure the tourism sector can emerge and recover from the impacts of COVID-19 and the harmful restrictions that have been imposed. Mr. Beatty for supplementary. Uh, thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. I thank the, uh, the minister uh, for his answer. I, I suppose the tourism sector is a, is a massive sector, um, and visitor attractions are incredibly important, uh, and they come both large uh, and small. And I guess this, this, we all focus on, on those large visitor attractions. Um, but can I ask the minister, how do we get funding and support to those smaller visitor attractions, such as War Years Remembered in Ballyclare, um, which is important to, to that area for tourism? Uh, and for footfall, um, but yet doesn't seem to be able to get that support. Uh, um, and would the minister look at that in the future? I think the member for his answer. The, and again, the tourism sector is vitally important. The executive took immediate action to enable businesses to survive the impact of the pandemic, including implementing a range of financial support schemes to support businesses, including in the tourism and hospitality sector. My department alone provided over $313 million of financial assistance to 47,128 applicants via a range of schemes that included £20.7 million for the hospitality sector and £1.2 million for the tourism sector through the £25,000 uh, retail hospitality tourism and leisure grant scheme. And there are many others, Mr Deputy Speaker. Uh, 50.7 million through the large tourism and hospitality business uh, support scheme, 4 million for the hospitality sector under the wet pub scheme, and 1.8 million through the bed and breakfast guest house and guest accommodation scheme. In terms of additional financial support, it will be for the executive collectively to determine how any COVID-related funding is allocated as we progress through the roadmap and the lifting of restrictions. The, the one uh, business that he did mention, or, or or museum that he did mention. I visited it. It's been a very good museum, and I was saddened to hear the news uh, over the last number of days. And I hope that museum can get up, uh, can find a place, uh, settled home, uh, and get the support that that requires uh, going forward. It would be such a loss 
to everyone, not least the local communities. Uh, but for tourism coming in, if they couldn't avail of the opportunity to see that museum and all the artefacts that are in it, uh, very, something that's very dear to my heart. Uh, uh, so I, I will undertake for the uh, member to, to assess and look at that. If the member wants to write to me, uh, I, I certainly will pick that up and take a look at it. We have time for a brief question. Mr Jim Allister. I want to link back to the plight of the um, travel agent. I well remember the, mem- uh, the minister, when he was a member of the Finance Committee, articulating his deep dissatisfaction with the inadequacies of the support for our travel agent uh, uh, sector. Now that he's in a position to do it, will he turn his words into action? I think the uh, member, my colleague from North Antrim, for the question, and again the colleague that sat in the Finance Committee with him, and I enjoyed my time there. Uh, he's quite right. Uh, this sector should be supported. Uh, the executive office is taking forward that scheme. It would be inappropriate for me to do something on the back of that. I would like to see that money rolled out as soon as possible. I certainly would ask questions as to why it's taken so long, considering you look at the achievements of the Department of Economy and the $513 million that has been rolled out in this department. Uh, so certainly I would like to see that money going in support to those travel agents who badly need it because, let's be very clear, travel agents have, been, have had a really tough time, not only because of the loss of their trade and the collapse of a market, but the fact that they had to remain open, not to trade, but to actually give back money, to give back funds. And that's in a very unique position compared to any other sector of our economy and trade. So I hope that scheme gets rolled out as quickly as possible and those people, of many of which are in my constituency, constituents we share, that those people are supported as quickly as they possibly can and not forgetting that we can open up their industry as quickly as possible and lift restrictions as quickly as possible so that their industry can now f- can flourish again. Uh, and I welcome all the countries that have been put on to the green light list. Uh, I do have a, an issue when countries can be put back onto a red list or an amber list, and that impacts on confidence in that market. I think there has to be a better way of doing it, uh, a safer way of doing it uh, for businesses and people alike, and I certainly uh, am happy to explore any way that we can support that industry going forward. That ends listed questions, and we'll now move to topical questions. Um, Question number five has been withdrawn by by O'Leary Flynn and was remiss of me I forgot to mention that question 12 has similarly been withdrawn by Ms Flynn. Anish, Aram, Sir, or Melissa McHugh, when you cashed. I now call Melissa McHugh. Minister, you'd be well aware that uh, Dale Farm recently benefited from a major supply contract with the Danish company Arla. This underlines the fact that the protocol on the continued access to the European market has benefited local companies. Can you outline what, department, what your department will do to promote and build on opportunities presented by continued access to the, US market, to, to the EU markets? I thank the member for his question. As he would expect, in my role, I want to grow our businesses, seek investment and increase our exports in all markets. Investment, trade and exports is one of the four key planks of my department's economic recovery action plan. 
My department recently published a further paper on trade and investment for a 10x economy, which sets out how DFE will be engaging widely to co-develop clear targets around our trade and investment ambitions and to define the actions that are needed to bring them to life. This sets out in black and white that Northern Ireland is a great place to work and do business in all sorts of reasons. Uh, my department, along with InvestNI, has never stopped promoting that message all around the world. Exports rely on inputs, and many of our businesses, no matter where they sell to, rely on purchases from GB. A key foundation to exporting is first resolving the well-documented issues around trade and goods between GB and Northern Ireland. Until that is resolved, we cannot, be, we cannot use uh, the, the issues around the protocol because of the damage that, that causes. Businesses are raising concerns about the additional workloads and costs associated with the new requirement for supplementary declarations. These are complex in nature, and I am concerned about the impact this is having on already struggling businesses across Northern Ireland. The ending of grace periods pose further cliff edges for our businesses. It is vital that these issues are resolved and that we do not see further barriers arise due to divergence. It is vital Northern Ireland businesses are able to remain competitive in the UK internal market. I want to resolve these issues so that we can continue to demonstrate that Northern Ireland is an exceptional place to invest in and to ensure our businesses can grow their exports to their key markets, whether that be in the UK, the EU or beyond. Thank you, Minister. Uh, and I'm sure too, but that you'll agree with me that it is not because of the protocol, but because of Brexit itself, that the mobile provider O2 and EE uh, has announced that it will be reimposing uh, um, roaming charges again. Now, uh, can you tell me, Minister, just what will you and your department do to drive down the cost of phone bills for those that are affected by that? I think the member for his question. And it, 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 is, it is the imposition of the protocol that is doing so much damage to our businesses and our trade, especially between GB and Northern Ireland, which is hurting our businesses incredibly, no matter where they can sell into uh, with regards to their exports. They are finding crippling, crippling uh, factors leading to uh, needing to employ people needing to fill out paperwork and needing to plan new routes, which is quite costly. And in fact, sometimes routes uh, and, 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 and products are completely closed off to some of our businesses. So it is the protocol that is doing the damage to those businesses. On the point the member raises about roaming charges and the, the, the uh, providers, I'm happy if the member wishes to write to me on those details. I know that he has a couple of questions uh, in and they're yet to be answered. So I'll take a keen eye, a keen interest in how they're answered, and, and let's see if we can get something resolved. Keshtig Jerry Carroll. Hey, uh, Minister, do you have any plans to introduce legislation to ban the so-called fire and rehire practice, uh, something that sees um, companies dismiss staff and then re-employ them on worse terms and conditions, and something that was widespread throughout the pandemic? Any plans to act on that, Minister? I think the... Uh, member for his uh, question. I want to make it absolutely clear that, in my view, fire and rehire should not be used as a negotiation tactic. Using fire and rehire as a tactic to put undue pressure on workers 
to accept new and often worse conditions in terms or face losing their jobs is totally and utterly unacceptable. I am aware that the Advisory Conciliation and Arbitration Service uh, published a report on the practice of dismissal and re-engagement known as fire and rehire on the 8th of June 2021. I note that views expressed in that report are wide-ranging. For some, it is never acceptable. For others, it, it, it's in its most legitimate form. Fire and rehire allows employers to avoid redundancies and business failures after negotiations have been exhausted. I must warn employers that dismissal and rehire should only be used where there is a risk to their business. Even in those circumstances, employers must follow a statutory minimum dismissal procedure. They may have to follow a collective redundancy consultation process if a group of employees is involved. That being said, I am conscious that there are potential measures to address the worst excesses of fire and rehire, including legislation must be carefully considered to ensure that there are no unintended consequences, particularly where those measures could lead to more redundancies. My officials will continue to liaise with their counterparts in the Department for Business, Energy and Industrial Strategy on this matter. This is not a new thing, Mr Deputy Speaker. I can remember being in the electoral trade in the early 90s when this practice was also in play. Uh, and it meant then that people weren't building up rights as they worked in the same company. And a two-year threshold very rarely was met So, uh, with regards to longevity of, of employment. So it's very important that we get this right and that workers are afforded the opportunities that they need uh, to bring stability to their employment, because that will affect other things like mortgages and everything else that goes with it. Uh, Jerry Carroll, supplementary question for Jerry Carroll. I thank the Minister for his answer. And I, I welcome his uh, comment that it shouldn't be used as a tactic, but it shouldn't be used at all. A survey from the GMB Union found that 76% of people surveyed were opposed to the action and said they would support legislation coming through the Barnet. Unions like Unite the Union, uh, I think the Minister may have been a former member of it, <laughs> and many others are also calling for legislation to be brought forward over this disgraceful practice that does treat workers uh, like dirt. Um, and there's le legislation progressing through Westminster at the minute. Would the Minister agree with me that it would be wholly uh, un unacceptable if there, were, there was a divergence on this matter and if legislation was outlawed in Britain, that he will uh, move swiftly to do so uh, to in ensure legislation is brought through in this place on the matter? Thank you. I thank the member for a supplementary. The, the practice of dismissal and re-engagement, fire and rehire, has received widespread attention during this COVID pandemic, particularly in GB. Uh, there have been a number of big-name businesses named in media reports. You know, you know, so, uh, and again, January this year, the TUC re released research suggesting that as many as one in ten workers had been told during lockdown last year to reapply for their jobs on worse terms and conditions or face the sack. That is unacceptable. That is unacceptable when we know the support that government has given to businesses over the last year. Uh, and there is no excuse for that. So I am totally in sympathy, uh, and we would like to get this resolved so that those workers that are uh, in, in positions of vulnerability in this regard, they get the protections uh, and the safeguards that they deserve going forward in their employment. Minister, I talk to people in my own constituency, particularly in Fermanagh, across different sectors, um, farmers, uh, business people, students and families who have poor access to broadband. 
It's clear that pro, uh, Project Stratum will not address this issue. As Fermanagh and Oma, Oma Council recently found, 2,392 premises were removed from the scope of uh, the scheme. Minister, will you meet with officers from, uh, and officials from Oman District Council, Fermanagh, to re-examine the scope of the project? Yeah. Uh, thank the member for his question. First of all and foremost, we must uh, appreciate the, the levels of support and rollout that this broadband scheme will deliver. Uh, it should be noted, of course, that it was this party that, that got Project Stratum off the ground with regards to confidence and supply. That's a very good news story for Northern Ireland as the rollout continues. I, I do understand that there will be teething problems and there may be other bigger problems as, as the rollout continues. And I give the member this commitment that I will meet with whoever uh, he wishes me to meet to. If he writes to me uh, requesting a meeting, I will certainly consider that. And if there are any gaps of provision in that area of which he represents, I'm only too pleased and happy to look into that and see what we can do to roll out a more comprehensive scheme. It will always come with the caveat, of course, of, of the business case. Uh, but if there are, are addresses being knocked off the scheme, then it's not the same scheme as we thought it was. So we'll need to look at that carefully and see just exactly what has went awry in that area. And I want to thank the Minister for his answer, and particularly given an undertaking to me to whoever the officials. Uh, Minister, the Audit, Audit Office reported your department could claim back £14 million from BT in relation to previous broadband schemes. Minister, do you agree that any clawback of public money should be directed to improve broadband in rural areas such as Fermanagh? I think the member for a question. And yes, we need to make sure that this facility and this utility, because that's what it has become, gets rolled out to as many people as we possibly can so that they can enjoy uh, uh, some of the facilities that some of us enjoy in other parts of the country and the advantages that, that a good broadband can bring to a household, not least for business, where people stay at home and work, but also for homeworks and for young people who, let's face it, probably buy and sell you on the internet, uh, and they're more expert than anyone, uh, certainly anyone in this room, I suspect. So yes, it is good that we can roll out as, and get as many people hooked up to good, decent broadband as quickly as possible, because for some people and for some communities, it could be the game changer between working at home and having to travel to work. And of course, I would be keen to promote as flexible and bland a system of working as I possibly can going forward. To, to ensure that there's that good work-life balance, but also that prog productivity can increase going forward. Time for a quick question from Pachikan. Um, I, I welcome the announcement by Queen's and Ulster University to uh, provide additional grant support to low-income stu students. However, despite this, up to 75% of our students have received no support at all. And it's deeply frustrating that uh, so many students are excluded from the, the uh, COVID disruption uh, payment. And I wonder, even at this late stage, would the Minister consider uh, extending the COVID disruption payment to those students who have been excluded? I think the member for his question is a very important one. The Assembly Committee and a number of other MLAs following the recent Assembly motion have written uh, to former Minister Dodds requesting an update on whether she intended to exp expand the COVID disruption payment scheme. Uh, 
in, in, to further education students, part-time students and the Northern Ireland domiciled students studying elsewhere in the UK and Republic of Ireland. Minister Dodds previously set out the policy rationale for not including FE students or part-time students in this payment. Officials have sought legal advice on the potential legislative barriers to expanding the payment to Northern Ireland students studying elsewhere, which are in addition to the operational practical hurdles in place, and have submitted full briefing uh, to me to allow me to respond in detail uh, to the Assembly Committee in the first instance. So I will be assessing that as I am assessing all aspects of this department in the coming days and weeks. So, members, time is up. Uh, thank you very much. If you just take your ease for the, for the next item of business, please.